It's my pleasure to welcome Sunelis. Thank you for being on the show. Um, I've been trying for months to get you on. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> but thanks for your time. Um, are you tired of people spelling your name wrong? Um, not so much spelling, more like pronouncing it wrong the whole time. You must have some weird ones. Yes. I've had Sun, Sun, I can't even pronounce Even on my ID, it's spelled <laughs> wrong, actually. Really? Yeah, on all my, like... But, um, like degree stuff and, and courses, it's all S U N because I couldn't get the. Yeah, it's a, what's it, a cup? It's not a cuppy. What do you call a, that thing? A on little, the e? In Afrikaans, you call it akit. I don't know what yeah. it is in English, but they can't seem to get that on the um, on the computer. So I'm T- just S U N. Sun. Tyler, what is that thing called? Can we can we just check my? We'll just check what that thing is. Because I need now, I need to know. Yeah, you said Kita. I don't know. We'll find because it's Sunelis, right? Yes. Now you've played all over the world. Um, also, I noticed that only some commentators get your surname right. Yeah, like that varies too. I think because ev- obviously everyone's English, so they just assume it's loose, yeah. um, which I don't have a problem. Yeah. With, but then they go Lewis and Lus. Oh and wow! I don't know how you get that from you, you, but <laughs> only they will know. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose the more you play out there and the more you get to, to play in front of them, they'll, they'll get to know how to pronounce it properly. But but so far, you know, it's... One would think after 10 years, but <laughs> we're still getting it wrong. <laughs> Listen, congratulations. Uh, I mean, you're only 26 and you've already had 10 years of international cricket. Is that something you dreamed of as a little girl? Like to say like one day, like I want to play for South Africa? Take um, us back there. You know, I think when we grew up or when I grew up, um, women's cricket in South Africa was not a thing. And I think international women's cricket was not as big as it is now. So I never really saw myself playing for any type of pro tiers, you know, team because I think there was one, but, you know, we just didn't know about it and didn't know of any players that played. Um, so I always thought I'd just go into teaching or something, you know, casual like that. Can you that. see yourself as a teacher? I did study first. Yeah, I was okay. in attacks. What subject would you study? Um, I mean, teach. I don't know. I wouldn't trust myself to <laughs> teach any subject, but probably allo sport or something fun like that. But yeah, I did first year of teaching. Okay. And then, you know, as we needed to do practicals in the second year, it obviously clashed with traveling. Yeah. So I don't know if it's fortunately or fortunate or unfortunately that I couldn't finish the degree, um, but I don't think I'll ever go into teaching. So there's that. But yeah, I always thought um, I'd rather or do something like that. You know, just play cricket for fun. But the older we got, um, women's cricket evolved mm. around the world, around the country. And by the time I, you know, turned 14, 15, it was becoming a thing to play for the pro tiers. And I knew a couple of players, Mignon Dupree, Danae Van Niekirk, um, and they played for the pro tiers for a couple of years. Um, and I just saw, you know, them traveling the world. Mm. It looked very fun. Obviously, they weren't professional back then, but... Um, as I got into the side, you know, it was all fun and games for the f- for the first, I don't know, four to five years, and then we became fully professional. So, it's been a it's been a journey, but um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Look, I know sport is huge in your house. Um, your your parents, your siblings, it's all about sport. But were you guys playing cricket like in the backyard, sort of thing, and having test matches? Hundred percent. Uh, t- tell us a bit more about that, because when I was growing up, my brother and I, and uh, my sister's a lot lamiki. She's like eight years younger um we were playing full-on test matches and then if there was a left-handed batsman 
like who was coming in next, like it was Adam Gilchrist, for example, would switch stance, you know, and, and yeah. bat left-handed, and it would be, yeah, maybe not left-arm seam, but anyway, <laughs> it was these intense battles. Is that what you guys had? Yeah, for sure. We had the whole Ashes tour going oh. on in December. <laughs> oh um, yeah, it was ridiculous. My brother and I will go through the whole batting lineup, the whole bowling lineup. We played, I don't, I don't think we played the whole 100 overs for the day, yeah. but we came very, very close. Um, at a stage, my dad let the let the grass grow and then just cut like a, a pitch length very short. So we kind of simulate the whole cricket ground. Oh, awesome. Um, no, but we played cricket every single day. That's um, cool. And it wasn't just cricket. It was everything. If there was Springboks rugby on, we in the the halftime, we'd play touch rugby outside because okay. my brother wasn't allowed to tackle me. <laughs> but that didn't stop him. But, um, yeah, we played rugby in half times. We played tennis. Yeah, you, you, you played a lot of tennis, didn't you? Yeah, love yeah. tennis. Still play tennis whenever I can. Okay. Suck now. But um, <laughs> I was okay back in the day. Yeah. Um, played for, for first team in high school, um, for Gauteng North as well. And kind of had to decide at a stage between tennis and cricket. And I thought, you know, playing for the pro tiers might come a bit soon and maybe a bit easier than winning Wimbledon. So I think that was an easy choice. Listen, you've been to a World Cup semi-final. I think that's pretty much close yeah. to a Wimbledon experience. But so was there a moment where you knew cricket was for you? Like, you know, was it and like we'll get into this, but leg spin, because I think it's such it's such a difficult craft you know, finger spin for a lot of people. So if you don't know, finger spin is, you know, different to wrist spin. But I'm sure you're watching now, you'll you know what I'm talking about. But why leg spin? And, and it's just a fascinating thing for me to, to learn more about you. Yeah, I was never a leg spinner. Um, and I think cricket was just born into the family. And it, I don't think there was ever a moment where I decided I wanted to become a cricketer mm -hmm. or this is I, what I want to do with my life. I think, you know, as the years went by it just became more and more part of me um and i just couldn't picture my life without cricket practice every day kind of thing um i think i was about 10 years old we at at large school Fuerpos, we always had like a camp over winter at is that your primary school Fuerpos, wow yes, that is my learn something school. new every day yeah. hey? um we had a camp over um winter um holidays in i think it was jibaweni Back in the day, I don't know if it still exists. Um, and Jock Rudolph came to that camp, and I was bowling extreme pace back in the day. Wow, seam up, hey? Wow, yeah, okay. I loved it. Um, and I don't know how Jock Rudolph, I actually need to have a conversation with him. Like, why did you change me into a leg spinner? Regretting <laughs> it today, but no, I'm kidding. But I don't know, I guess he just saw something somewhere. Um, and he just took me aside and said, well, I want you to become a leg spinner and let me teach you quickly. Um, and I think, you know, I was, it was a pretty natural. And he said, let's just go with it. Jeez. Yeah, so I think I've been bowling leg spin since 10 years old. Because he was also a leggy, yeah. left arm, a phenomenal cricketer. Yeah. Uh, big shout out. I, mean, I was a huge fan. Still am. Yeah, for sure. Um, if we can find him wherever he is in Africa at the moment. Yeah, just ask him. Fishing or whatever he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Adventuring. <laughs> but I think that the leg spin is such a unique craft because yeah. it's a wicket taking uh, leg spinners are wicket takers. They're yeah. not, you're not saving runs. Mm. You're not building pressure from one end. You're taking wickets. And, and I think 
that sort of has shaped your career by going down that leg spin. I, I would love to have seen the pace, you know, and the intimidation and the step. Would you have gone the Alan Donald like zinc across I'm the nose? Sure. I'm not sure, but I was a, a very feisty fast bowler, I think, okay. as one should. <laughs> um, but no, occasionally I still throw, you know, a little quick one in okay, between. Yeah. Try to York the batters, <laughs> try to get some pace behind it. But, and normally in my warm ups, the first three or four balls are normally. Uh, a small run-up, okay. getting pace into, you know, into the ball just to try and finish the action and then so getting into. Shabnam the should watch out here. No, for sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a run for her money. Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Um, all right. So, ten years old, you learn this this art. I call it leg spin an art. It really is. Yeah. Um, and from there, did you just were you already lo in love with cricket, or was it something that you were like, now now I'm obsessed. No, I think I was just always in love with cricket or I don't think just cricket. I think just any ball sport. Um, I would just whatever somewhere, like if there's just a game going on, I would just join. And I think I just grew up, you know, liking sports and, and doing everything and being outside. Um, fortunately, cricket uh, cricket gave me more opportunities than, than other sports. Um, and it also became very fun to, to play with the boys um, and brew some egos. And I think I fell in love with that <laughs> part of cricket. Um, just to upset a few parents and a few boys as well. Um, but no, it's, it's just always been cricket since I, can't, since I can't remember. So I don't think there was ever just a moment where I said, okay, cool, this is what I want to do. Yeah. I think it just became a part of me and, and kind of a part of my identity just growing up. And it just grew me into the person I am, I think. And at your high school, did you then play? Was there was there cricket for girls, or did you have to play with the boys? Unfortunately, not, and that's still a conversation um, for another day. But I played with the boys up until I was sixteen years old. Okay. And I think you know, obviously, um, boys grow a bit faster. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, balls come a bit quicker and, yeah. and they hit a bit harder. But um, I still trained um, with the boys as often as I could. Um, and then you know just went on to playing with Northerns and in the in the female sides, and then when I got to university, I actually played with Tux third team um, with okay. the boys. Um, yeah, just got in there every weekend, um, just bowled to the guys. Obviously, they smashed a couple, but <laughs> obviously got a couple of wickets in between yeah, as well, yeah. which was very satisfying. But yeah, I think playing with with guys really helps. Um, ladies cricketers and I feel like more girls should do it okay. um, just be to become I don't know I don't want to say hard but yeah. become a bit tougher as well yeah. um, I think that really helped me because there's always going to be banter yeah, uh, especially sure. you know and some of it there's no time to be sensitive yeah, yeah I, I was going to say so. yeah. yeah. but I think also and maybe like you say it's not it's tougher but it's more just sort of develop your inner toughness yeah, in, in a sure. way you know not your exterior but yeah, because guys will see it as a threat because yeah. their egos are on the line. But at the same time, I think it's great that you could get the opportunity at least to, to play a bit because from that 16 onwards, you're already sort of flying high. You're already yeah. sort of attracting attention from national selectors. And, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're in the national team. Do you, do you remember your debut for the national team? I do. It was a very interesting debut. Um I obviously sat on the bench for a long time. Uh, I think I was the best 12 ever. That's why they kept me there for so long. But, um, yeah, my first game was in Bangladesh, 50-over game. Obviously, was not conditioned to wow, play in Bangladesh at all. I think it was like 40 degrees with 100% humidity. 
after the game, I just remember passing out. Like, they had to call the doctor in. For real? I was finished. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Terrible debut. But I got 15 not out, which I don't think I bowled. Um, and I fielded on third man the entire game. 50 but on debut is awesome. 15. Oh, 15. Yeah, I wish. But not oh, out. So I, was gonna, I think oh, yeah, I was batting nine. Okay, fair something, enough. But I was on the park. <laughs> and then afterwards, not so much. <laughs> so, so back then, if you go back, you know, the 10 years... The hotels you guys were staying in, the the travel, that sort of thing, has that at least improved now to where you are today? I know, look, I know there's professional contracts and you actually can earn a living from playing cricket, but then back then it was very different. You're essentially playing for fun, for national pride. Yeah, for sure. I think we we kind of just evolved from paying for yourself to travel overseas to, to at least CSA covering those costs. Mm. Um, it wasn't business class back in the day; it was very much economy back there at the toilet seats. Um, so like where I fly. Lit- yeah. Yeah. So you know. That, Unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was pretty much there. The hotels <laughs> weren't five stars or even four stars yeah. at times, um, but at least you were always safe. Um, we got enough clothes. Mm. You know, we were always sorted. You always had what you needed. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, as as cricket grew and women's cricket grew in the country and international, um, you know, a level a certain standard kicked in. Um, which I think everything is kind of equal with the men at the moment, which is very good for us. Okay. Well, I mean, it, it, it's. I'm really glad to hear that things have evolved because yeah. you guys have played in more World Cup semifinals than the men yeah. have, let's be honest. Um, and I still think, and I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this, <laughs> uh, look, we've got a wonderful men's team. There's obviously a few things that, that are not quite working at the moment, but I've got the feeling like... Between the two of you, you guys almost have a slightly better chance of yeah. going on and, and reaching a final at this point in time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and with the World Cup next year on home soil, that's a huge opportunity. Yeah, for sure. It's very exciting to have the World Cup here. Um, you know, we'll see what happens to, to a couple of fitness tests and, and injuries and recovering and all that. But hopefully we'll have our strongest team on the park for the for the entire World Cup. Um, and I think when we... When we have our strongest team, we have a very, very good chance of, of being in that final, if not winning. There are some talented players. We really do. Um, but playing in a World Cup is a different kettle of fish. I mean, you've had a few now that you've been in. What makes it so different to like an international series? I mean, and you know, you've got 198 games for South Africa. It's 200s coming up. That's, yeah. that's a big one. Um, what makes it different in your opinion? I think nowadays they've introduced um, the group stages or like different groups in World Cups, especially in the in the women's World Cups, mm. um, are gone. And now you kind of have to play every single team, um, which I think is more fair because it truly shows the best team will then go, you know, into the semifinal and then yeah. eventually into the final. And I think having that, every game becomes like a semi or final because you can't afford to lose one match. Um, and I think that's putting a lot of pressure on a lot of teams as well because you you really have to play your best cricket yeah. um, very consistently. So I think that's that's the ultimate test of a World Cup. You really want your best team in the world to win the World Cup. Um, and I think, you know, having to focus for, for that two weeks or three week period, um, playing consistently good cricket, I think it's a really, really good, um, you know, measurement of becoming the best in the world. Yeah, I think you have to be consistent, as you say, and yeah. every department has to fire. And um, also, the, sorry, the songs are different at World Cups. <laughs> yeah. Even when you walk onto the park, it's like, 
having to watch 007, someone all like ready when, to kill w- or really? something. Like it's very intimidating like walking onto music. the. Yes. Was that before the national anthems? Yeah, and like during the games, and then you know, where there's LB and and you refer it, yeah. and you know the heartbeat is playing on the speakers. <laughs> oh, that's cool, though. It's very intimidating and very scary, actually. I've got to ask you this. <laughs> I've got to ask you, as someone who's never played at international level, um, just because for whatever reason they just thought yeah. I would probably just win World Cups, you know, for mm. everyone. So that's why, and they had to give a fair chance. But besides that, when you out on the field televised you have the big screen out there are you tempted to like glance at the screen uh, you obviously look at the referrals yeah. and that but during the sort of game do you even take notice of that like oh my goodness i mustn't pick my nose now or something like that you know nah, what i mean or? not at all i think at the beginning you know a couple of years back when we played our first couple of games on tv it was mm. like oh that is that how i look <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> but no it's it's i think it's just become natural yeah um at this stage and you're so focused on the game you don't really care what's happening on the scoreboards okay um so it's not yeah. like uh, like because I imagine initially it would have been quite like intimidating or, yeah. you know, it's like distracting in a way. You've got this big screen and everything you guys are doing is under the, the camera's lens, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, for some people it can become intimidating. But normally I'm pretty focused on the field and don't yeah. really, you know, know when a camera is on me or I don't know if I do weird things on camera. I don't know. My mom hasn't said anything. <laughs> but, um, no, it's, it's normally just playing cricket. Okay. Um, I think so many people at the end of the day forget um, that it's just a normal game of cricket. And yeah. I think with all the the exterior things coming in, um, you lose sight of that. So I think it's really important just to say focus. And although there's cameras and you know commentators aren't really always in your favor and mm. things like that, it's it's really important just focus on the task at hand. And you've actually had your plate full during games. You've also been captaining the side in the absence of Danae. Um, there's a lot to think about. You know, yeah. I, I think... On the field is one thing, off the field is one thing, but I suppose in that sort of moment, it's about executing game plans, listening to your bowlers and getting field setting right. Because the women's game has evolved to a point now where the batters are, you know, the the reverse sweep is coming out. They, you know, they're ramping, you know, it's it's up there. You have to have your A game all the time. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, you know, just having to talk about the the cameras, I think one thing that a, a captain especially has to just keep in mind of you you can't really lose your head um on the field because the camera is on you the whole time and i think that's something you need to be aware of you can't be you know swearing at everybody and and kind of losing your head on tv and just throwing hands um i think because so many youngsters are watching you and you you are still a role model um but at the end of the day yeah it's it's really um intense to be a captain especially at a world cup um not even it's it's not just on-field stuff. It's really the off-field stuff as well that that gets to you. But it's been an amazing experience to captain to captain my country, and maybe in the future it become permanent. Mm-hmm. You never know. But for now, um, you know, I'll take those experiences and and learn from them and move forward. Speaking of one incredible experience, and I was like, as a cricket fan, and I'm a Test match guy. You know, I'm a purist when it comes to that. I know you love your Test match cricket too. To watch. Not to play. Yes, to watch, definitely. <laughs> but still, a test match against England, um, it was history. You know, um, I know it wasn't the first ever, right? There was one back whenever. Yeah. But still, this was televised. It was out there. You were in your whites. That must still have been pretty special, though. Listen, that was the the weirdest capping ceremony we've ever had. <laughs> we had nine debutants. 
one guy giving a speech to all and you just see caps being handed <laughs> out and you don't know what's happening. But no, it was it was an awesome experience to be yeah. handed that um, that green baggy. Um, if I would do it again, I'm not sure. I think I would much rather prepare for it. I think we only had a three-day um, warm-up game to prepare for yeah. for the test. It was the first time I picked up a Red Bull since primary school. Cricket. And the Red Bull does a lot, eh? No, it's... Especially when you're playing in England, yeah, it was a they've got fans shouting yeah. at you, <laughs> giving you banter from the side. It's raining a little. You got it's banter bad light. from the fans. Of course, you're in England. Wow, it's okay. raining a little. It's bad light, but the umpires don't call bad light. Everyone is like next to you or behind you, just waiting for that edge to come. It was so. It was one of the most intense moments ever. Wow. And obviously, after the first day, you get home, and we stayed at a really really terrible hotel we okay. stayed at a holiday inn express okay so the rooms were probably smaller than this one you had no bath to recover so you got home she so said you can't have an ice bath or salt nothing or? nothing and then after that first day you just go wow four days or three days left of this wow yeah yeah it was a very different experience but um i wish we were more prepared yeah but we didn't lose. No, that's true. So I take that as well. And one. that's a good in England team, eh? You got yeah, some, yeah, some rock stars. Yeah, they were full Full strength. Yeah. Um, we weren't full strength at all. We went in with the youngest team ever. Yeah. And we drew. I thought that was phenomenal. And I'll take that as a win any day. Thanks for coming. In England, with all yeah. that banter, the bad lights, the Duke ball. And can I just say the wall of China, Tumise Kakune. Oh, yeah. Showing <laughs> us the defenses. Great that was the most awesome thing to watch ever. Yeah. Okay, so Test Cricket, do you think there's a future in, in the women's uh, space at the moment? Um, I'd like to think so, but I think there's so many leagues popping up at mm. the moment. Um, you know, girls all around the world are going to become very picky at, at what they choose to play. Yeah. Um, and I think in a country like South Africa, they're going to have to pay really well for players to, to choose to play all the formats. Okay. Um, instead of going to the T20 leagues where you know where the money is, so I think it's going to become very tricky with all the leagues popping up, um, the schedule in the year becoming so tight. You obviously can't play 365 yeah. days of the year. You need time to rest, and the only time we get to rest is when a big bash is playing, or when a fair break is on, mm. or potentially an IPL is on. And I think you know, for us, it's all about. You only have a certain limit or time to your career. Mm. You have to make as much money as you possibly can. Of course. Um, and I think that's the tricky part. Um, and I think CSA is going to, if test cricket becomes a thing at the international stage, I think CSA is going to, mm. you know, going to have to sit down and and create a strategy around that to to keep the players here and um, not for us to, you know, to have to go to an IPL yeah. or have to go to a big bash to to make that extra money. So yeah, it's going to become very tricky, but, um, you know, test cricket is, like you said, the purest form yeah. of, of the game, and I would love to see more of it. I don't think it's going to be great if we only play one test match, in, yeah. like, every three years. Like, what's the point of that? I don't... Like, it's an awesome experience, but how can we improve if, you know, there's only one game every three years yeah. or something like that? So it's going to become tricky, and you also have to then think about playing games domestically, test matches or three-day matches domestically, and where do you fit that in as well with domestic sh you know, players not being contracted, obviously having to work, go to school. Yeah. So it's a very tricky thing. Um, and I think CSA is going to have to sit down and, 
and really work on a good strategy around that. Yeah, it will be interesting because uh, personally, I, I see room for test cricket. Um, but like you say, it's a balancing act at the moment because you've played fair break. You've played so many different uh, international leagues at the moment. Women's cricket's in a good space. Like yeah. I really feel like there's money going into women's cricket. They're marketing these events. And I think from the bits that you've told me, they look after you when you act like a fair break yeah, or, sure. or a CPL. Because yeah, um, the IPL's next year, which is exciting. Hey, Pakistan even have a women's T20 yeah, competition. Yeah, um, you're actually a bit sport for choice in mm. a way if, if you're a top cricketer like yourself. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's um, you're going to have to choose what you do, like I said. And I think, you know, next year we have an inbound tour January. We have the World Cup February. Then you have IPL and PSL at the same time. March, you have fair break. A April, um, that leaves you two months for um, international cricket to happen. Yeah. Then there's 100 straight after the CPL's happening then Big Bash is on, you know, then you still have to schedule in your international cricket. So <laughs> where do you rest? Um, but it's awesome actually to to think about it and that we have that we are spoiled for choice because yeah. I think three years ago we weren't and you were craving to play more cricket. Yeah. And now we kind of have to say, whoa, where am I going to rest? And I think that's such a blessing. And I think it's just a testimony of how women's cricket internationally has grown. Mm. Um, and I think it's only going to grow even more and more. Um, which I think is going to be awesome. I assume it's it's a decision you and your management team will have to look at as you, how you plot 2023. But I assume that you want to try and play in tournaments like the 100. The Big Bash is always a tricky one, I think, but you're only 26. You know what I mean? There's still time. Is is the Big Bash someone, a tournament you'd like to play in? I mean, I know the 100 definitely. Yeah. No, for sure. I think, you know, Big Bash is obviously the longest um overseas tournament it's a two months um tournament but i've always seen that um as the ultimate place to be because obviously you want to be in australia they have some of the best coaches they are the number one team in the world for so long you know you want to go there and learn and see why are they number one what are they doing differently yeah um but i think always or i think that was kind of the um the top one because of you know the salaries were so good yeah. paying there but i think you know all these leagues popping up it kind of substitutes the WBBL and it's it's only two weeks of cricket. Yeah. Um, but I've always had a special place in my heart for WBBL. Um, I love Australia. I, mm. I played there 2018-2019 season for Brisbane Heat. Mm -hmm. um, we won that tournament and it was the two best months of my life, really. It was really so much fun. That's and cool. I've learned so much from, you know, from the girls there and from the management and the coaches there. I would love to go back and have that opportunity to play there again. So... As a South African going to play in these respective tournaments, you obviously play against uh, the big names at World Cups and that. Do, do you guys kind of generally get on or is it like an interesting one in a team environment where, oh, you know, she he, she tried to bounce me at this one World Cup. I remember that or, or I got her out or something. Is, is there generally good banter when you're in a, a team environment like CPL or 100 or whatever it is? Well, luckily being the international player, they have to make you feel very welcome. <laughs> Fair um, enough. But no, I think cricket is a funny game. On the mm. field, you're enemies and you play hard and you give banter. Mm. But off the field, it's really become, um, I think, a whole cricketing family. I think wherever I've I've played and whichever team I've played in, um, I have such good memories and only good things to to say about each and every player. Um, I think you make friendships that will last a, li mm. a lifetime, um, which I think sport gives you that opportunity. Um so, no, there will always be 
that's banter. I think that's part of cricket, and I think that's <laughs> what keeps cricket healthy. Yeah. Um, but no, generally they make the sapphires especially feel very welcome, and um, they accommodate you so well. So it's always a pleasure to to go overseas wherever that might be and play. I'm going to put you on the spot now. Uh, forgive me, uh, Tyler. Just uh, close the door, please. Just make sure Sine doesn't leave. Who are some of the international players you really get on with? Because I know some of the England players you get on very well with, um, you know, the, the West Indian players. Uh, are there like one or two that you really, really get on well with that you like text and stay in touch with? Yeah, I think um, the first name that pops into my head is Jess Jonathan from Australia. I played with her at, at the Brisbane Heat and she was um, the person that taught me my first meal, how to make my first meal. It was bit of an elaborate meal, salmon. <laughs> <Wow>. But um, <laughs> no, spending two months with her and just learning from her. She's obviously one of the best spin bowlers in the world, um, a great cricket mind. Um, and we've always kept in touch. And whenever we see each other at World Cups or whenever we play a series, we always make time for each other and have a catch-up meal and, and things like that. And then, you know, I have friends in every, mm. every team. The Indians are just amazing. Awesome. Whenever you go to India, you know, you just catch up with everyone. I don't think... You know, there's there's players who's going to be unfriendly yeah. or things like that. Okay. And surprisingly, the English. Yeah. Very nice people. You know, at the start when I played against <laughs> them, I always thought, oh, these arrogant They get a bit of a bad rep, eh? My <laughs> gosh. But the more you play with them, yeah. um, and obviously playing for Lancashire Thunder and, and playing, you know, in the leagues mm. there, um, they're just very, very cool people. Sophie Eccleston is, I think, is a person that, that most people think, you know, oh, what an idiot on the field. Like, she's so arrogant. Um, she's competitive. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. But off the field, what a nice human. Like, right. I've had to convince my mom about this. Because she's like, <laughs> how can you be friendly? Look how she goes on in the field. And I'm like, she's just very, very passionate. Yeah. Please have a conversation with her off the field. And you'll learn that she's one of the kindest human beings you'll ever meet. Um, so, no, I've, I really have friends in each and every team. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Have. And I think, you know, whenever... It's awesome whenever you go for a holiday around the world, there's always someone to go visit, especially having to play in that fair break tournament where all the non-associating countries played in. Um, we have friends in Thailand now, in Argentina, in Brazil. Wherever you go, like you will find a cricketer. It's amazing. Which I think is awesome. That cricket fam family is just global now. Yeah, it really is. 100%. Even in the USA, mm. hoping women's cricket kicks off there so we can – you know, have cool tournaments yeah. there. Um, and I think it would be so cool for the USA to get involved in cricket. Um, it's this sort of growth, um, and, and it comes back to what you were saying about being a role model because I, I, watching you guys playing in England uh, during that series and then watching the World Cup, um, the English tend to have this father-daughter vibe at women's sport, and it's across football, rugby, cricket, they've obviously put a lot of money into it. But, like, I just get that feeling like it's quite welcoming. And, like, the the young girl sitting with her dad, England are playing you guys. They're looking up to you, even though you're on the opposing team, saying, like, I want to be like that one day. Is there a bit of pressure to perform when you do know that in the back of your mind? I mean, I know you've got a lot to do just out in the middle, be it with bat or ball or captaining. But yeah. is that something that plays in the back of your mind? Um, I don't think actively, but I do think it's become a part of us. Yeah. Um, just to know wherever you go, there's going to be people or kids who look up to you. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it's been a part of me just to always keep your head high wherever you go, always be 
the best version of myself and and keep a, a certain standard because you never know who's watching. Yeah. Um, and not just doing that because you know people are watching, but to really be that person um, and to make that a part of your life. So I think I've really installed some of that values in you know in my own life just to know that you know wherever you go you are a public figure mm. uh, fortunately or unfortunately however you take it so it's not like five years ago where you walk around in the mall or you know at Super Bowl Park watching a game and nobody mm. knows who you are yeah like it's reality now people are going to recognize you so how you conduct yourself wherever you are whether it's on the cricket field um, watching a game being in the mall wherever you are people are watching you so it's so important to conduct yourself in a manner that you know, just is a role model. Yeah, it just yeah. everything just speaks, you know, professionalism and, um, you know, the way people can look up to you. So I think it's so important to really install that values in yourself and just to make that a part of your life. So part of that is also your social media presence, right? Yeah. So keeping that clean, neat and tidy, there's a balance because you want to sort of let people in, I imagine, a little bit to your private life. Yeah. Um, I know you're an incredibly private person in general, but like, how do you react to that social media engagement? Because, I mean, your Instagram's blown up. It's like thousands and thousands, what, like 85,000 or something yeah. crazy like that. But how do you interact like that? Or like, I know we had Chris Morris on the show and he said it got so intense at some points that he just turns off all notifications. It is, how do you deal with that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of noise that comes with being a public figure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and some of those noise, you know, being negative, being positive. Um, I think, you know, I, it is tough sometimes because you want to let people and brands know the real you and who you are and the fun side of you. And when you're not at cricket, you know, who you are as a person and what you like to do. But I think we are public figures, unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm saying unfortunately because you can't let everyone into your life. Um, that's why I'm, I'm so private and I keep my cards close to my chest. Um, but obviously there is a sense of, of what you post, who you are comes out. Um, so it, it becomes really tough. And I can just imagine Chris Morris having millions of followers. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, after losing a match or not having your best match, you know, haters going to hate. They're just going <laughs> to <laughs> throw hate at you in those comments section. And it's, it's really not nice to read some of those things. I know at the... At the World Cup in the beginning of the year, I literally deleted Facebook. Um, I literally took Instagram off my homepage so that I just don't go on it very often because it just became too much. Yeah. Um, so it's – I can just imagine how Justin Bieber feels. If, <laughs> you know, we're only getting like a couple of comments every yeah, day yeah. and you feel like, oh. You yeah, know, exactly. especially if you, if you like being liked. I think I'm always someone that I like when, when people like me. I don't like, you know, when – I get a couple of people who say negative things about me. So, um, but Instagram is fun. Um, yeah. I also think you can show a bit of your personality and a bit of who you are and, and what you like to do when you don't play cricket. I'm busy reading uh, Shoe Donk by Phil Knight, the, the Nike uh, founder and uh, big boss. And he says, I'm not built for mass rejection. <laughs> and I thought that was excellent because yeah. I think I'm similar like that. And I think as human beings, we like yeah, that in general. Sure. We're running out of time, so quick fire questions very quickly. Fastest bowler you've ever faced? Shabna Mismal. Um, best spinner you've ever faced? Oh, Sophie Eggleston. Okay. Um, best batsman you've bowled to? That's over. Most satisfying innings that you've ever played? Mm, 37 against England at the World Cup this year. Best wicket that you've taken that you really felt like? This is great. 
that's a good one. Probably my sixth wicket um, in New Zealand two years ago. Best ground you've ever played at? Newlands. A best international ground you've ever played at? I can't remember the name, but somewhere in India. Favorite food? Uh, sushi. Favorite drink? Gin and tonic. I mean water. <laughs> water. <laughs> Last one. Uh, World Cup. Tell us your expectations for World Cup next year. It's the first Women's World Cup on African soil. Huge opportunity, but also a huge privilege. It's going to be a very interesting World Cup. I think, you know, some of the teams are leveled. There's a lot of injuries going on in international cricket as well. Um, a lot of people taking mental breaks. So I think the teams are going to be quite well balanced. Um, so I don't think any game is going to be an easy game. And I think it's it's for anyone to take. So, Nelise, thank you for your time. Thanks uh, so much. Long may your, con your, your career continue. I know you've had 10 years, but I still hope to see you around for a bit longer. Good luck at the World Cup. 11 February. 10 Feb. 10 Feb. Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. Ah, Newlands. Yeah, uh, 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 in Newlands. It's going to yes. be awesome. Good luck for that, and uh, we wish so you all much. the best. Thanks.